All right. Can everybody hear me okay? What? Yeah. I like people sitting up close. Uh, I got to talk all week long, so the uh, softer that I can talk, the better. Um, today is our last very bittersweet day because it is the last of our chapters in the book of Genesis, book of Breshit. And it's bittersweet for me. We have spent a year now in this book and we've learned a lot, haven't we? I've learned a lot. And uh, so we're going to wrap this book up today. Hopefully the, the wind doesn't blow my pages of Bible away here. We'll go like this. I, uh, I sent out an email a couple weeks ago soliciting for uh, lessons that you guys learned. I want to hear from you and what you learned so far in our journey in the book of Genesis. And I got some really good responses. Can I read you some of your responses? And some of you are terrified right now thinking, oh no, you're going to read my response. I'm going to keep the names out. Don't worry. But this one came from someone and they said, they said, I don't have any earth shaking revelations. However, I guess it clicked with me as our study through Genesis, how the patriarchs and their wives were at times receiving incredible visions and words from the Lord and Adonai. And at other times, capable of incredible stupidity, fear, and unrighteousness. In short, I can relate, this person says. Yet because of their persistent pursuit of Adonai, they made the Hebrews chapter 11 Hall of Fame. That's a really good insight. And uh, this one came from another person. Let me see if I can pull it up here. They said... uh, They would say, I would have to say that there was not just one thing that I learned. Every week we learned something new that wasn't in a realm of knowledge. We're still new to this walk, so all the teachings opened our understanding a bit more each time. The time spent hearing about our Lord and King is so valuable to us. Each step we see his patterns and his resolution to man's misgivings. How generation after generation lies and goes against God's intentions, but yet he is still able to work through that. We see God's grace with every step man takes through Genesis. I guess we would have to say he chooses the weak to make something strong. Why, I have no earthly idea. We are undeserving as portrayed. So all in all, I, uh, we take away more understanding with each lesson. Most times it sticks in our brain and sometimes we are just tired and we want to take a nap. <laughs> That's life. Your teachings always want to make me go home and listen to them again. I have to admit, very seldom do I get a chance to do that. But when I do, I learn, uh, learn more. And that brings me closer to the creator who puts, up, who, who puts up and even uses us from time to time. And this person says, yep, what did you ex- expect? A short answer? I'll let you guess who that is. Uh, this is one. Uh, I'm going to read a couple more. Genesis is the set, setting of all the same situations that will repeat throughout the rest of the Bible. The details may be slightly different over time, but my takeaway, I'd say that Genesis encapsulate God's creation of man and all the aspects of humanity that continue to repeat through history as well as currently. I am drawn to Genesis and it also explains sometimes in too much depth, like the prophecy you discussed yesterday, how we are supposed to deal with humanity. I like that no matter what people dealt with, with in the times of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there was a redemption and a chance to right their wrongs. And it consistently has shown us the redemption, a redemptive capacity we are blessed to receive from God. Your teaching always penetrates to my heart very deeply 
and I need it to continue to drive me forward to bringing others uh, that need to hear it also. Thank you for being uh, uh, light in this dark world. Personally, I have been encountering an immense amounts of spiritual warfare and pray that God, God would help me with that. So another great insight. Basically, um, the theme and, and a lot of the input I got was, was very similar. That the book of Genesis is a timeless book, right? And there are issues and situations and predicaments in the book of Genesis that they went through then and we're going through now, isn't there? Um, if you have the Bible or, or something to look up the Bible, go to Genesis chapter 50 and we're going to read the final chapter of Genesis. We're going to read it straight through, no commentary. And then I'm going to come back and, and kind of comment on a few things that I picked up on. And uh, for those who don't know, if you've never been with us before, uh, I'm a former school teacher. I like input. If you have a question or anything like that, just raise your hand. I don't want this to be a one-way conversation, but rather a conversation. If you have an insight or a question, just shoot your hand up when I take a breath and, and come to a stopping point. I'll, I'll call on you and see what's, what's on your mind. So Genesis 50, verse 1. It says, Yosef fell on his father's face. Why? Because his father just died, right? He wept over him and he kissed him. Then Yosef ordered the physicians and his servants to involve him, to chanat. Chanat means, it means like a, to, to bring to maturity, really is what it means, or to spice something up. So it's kind of both. When you embalm someone, you're, what you're doing is you're chemically preserving the flesh of the body. Uh, you're chemically doing that. And, and we have evidence of Egyptians doing that all the way back 2,600 years BC. They've been doing that. And what it does is it, they use spices, they use various chemicals, and they preserve the flesh from decay. So a lot of them are antibacterial, antifungal. And so they did that with, with Jacob, didn't they? So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were spent at this, the normal amount of time for embalming. When the Egyptians mourned for him 70 days. When the period of mourning was over, Joseph addressed the household of Pharaoh, saying, I would like to ask a favor. Tell Pharaoh, my father had me swear an oath. He said, I'm going to die. You are to bury me in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Therefore, I beg you, let me go up and bury my father. I will return. Pharaoh responded, go up and bury your father. You hear the language of going up, going up, right? That's uh, ascending, ascending up into the promised land. Go, go up and bury your father as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father and with him went all of Pharaoh's servants, the leaders of his household and the leaders of the land of Egypt. That's quite the entourage, isn't it? Along with the entire household of Joseph, his brothers and his father's household, only their little ones, their flocks and their cattle did they leave in the land of Goshen. Moreover, there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very large caravan. Now, the next time we see this happening is when? The next time we see chariots and horsemen. Yeah, we got a couple hundred years to go, but next time we see it, it's not going to be on good terms, is it? It's going to be on, on, the, on the run, aren't we? And when they arrived at the threshing floor of Atad beyond the Jordan, they raised a loud and bitter lamentation, mourning for his father for seven days. When the local inhabitants... The Canaanite, the Canaanites, saw the mourning on the floor of Atad. They said, how bitterly the Egyptians are mourning. And this is why the place was given the name Avel Mitzrayim, which is the mourning of Egypt, there beyond the Jordan. His sons did to him as he had ordered them to do. They carried him into the land of Canaan, and they buried him in the cave and the field 
of Machpelah, which Abraham had bought, along with the field as a burial place belonging to him, from Ephron the Hittite by Mamre. You recall this is in the city of Hebron. Anybody ever been to Hebron? Yeah, a few of you have? Okay, cool, awesome. It's a very highly contested area in the land right now over terms of ownership, okay? Let's go on to verse 14. But the tombs are still there to this day. So verse 14, Then after burying his father, Yosef returned to Egypt. He, his brothers, and all who had gone up to bury his father, realizing that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers said, Joseph may hate us now and pay us back in full for all the suffering that we caused him. So they sent a message to Joseph, which said, your father gave this order before he died. Now, is this true or is this false? False. You see, they're still lying to cover up their own transgressions, aren't they? We saw a bit of a change of heart, didn't we? And that's kind of an essence when we repent. Sometimes when we repent of a pattern of sinful activity that displeases God, sometimes it doesn't stick, does it? <laughs> sometimes we have to go back over and over, don't we? And that's okay. Now, it's not ideal, obviously, but God is merciful and his mercy is new when? Every morning. So it's okay if you have to continually repent of a sin. Now, obviously, repentance should bring real sorrow. Part of repentance is real sorrow. And real sorrow should breed in that real change, right? And where the line is between, you know, if my sons continue to disobey me and they continue to come to me and say, I'm sorry, and it's like every day they do the same thing, eventually I'm going to say, okay, you're not really sorry, right? There is a point, I believe, where that happens. Where that is, I don't know. I'm not God, thankfully. Thankful for all of you, I am not. But when we do repent, hopefully it breeds in you and, and creates in you real transformation. But guys, we are human beings trapped in flesh. And we repent and we fall on our face and sometimes we get up and we fall right back into the same muck that we just lifted ourselves out of, didn't we? The same stuff that God pulled us out of. Verse 17. Oh, thank you. Verse 17. Say to Yosef, I, oh, I don't need that. Uh, thank you though. I beg you now, please forgive your brother's crime and wickedness in doing you harm. So now we beg of you, forgive the crime of your servants, of the God of your father. And Yosef wept when he spoke to them, to him. Yosef wept when they spoke to him. Why did he weep? Maybe because he, he's realizing, guys, don't you get it? I am not holding these sins against you. I've forgiven you already. And his brothers too came and prostrated themselves before him and said, here, we are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, probably one of the greatest couple of verses in all the book of Genesis right here. He says, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of Elohim, of God? You meant, you, you chashavd, you, you schemed, you calculated, you conspired to do me harm. But God, what he did, he chashavd, he, he, he conspired, he schemed, he plotted, he, he meant it for good so that it would come about as it is today with many people's lives being saved or a great salvation, some translations read. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. In this way, he comforted them, speaking kindly to them. 
And Yosef continued living in Egypt. He and his father's household. Yosef lived to be 110 years old. Yosef lived to see Ephraim's great-grandchildren and the children of Manasseh's son, Machir, were born on Joseph's knees. That just means, have you guys ever seen Adrian holding little David, uh, his grandson, David? It doesn't mean that, like, it, it's not as if Adrian, like, birthed David and had him on his knees. It's not what it's saying in this verse here. What it's saying is, like, he was so intimately involved with his grandchildren's lives, it was like as if they were born on his knees. When you hold a little grandchild on your knees, right? 24. Yosef said to his brothers, I am dying, but God will surely remember you and bring you up out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Then Yosef took an oath from the sons of Israel. He said, God will surely remember you and you are to carry my bones up from here. So Yosef died at the age of 110 and they embalmed him and they put him in a coffin in Egypt. Little Bible trivia, did they, bear, did they bring Joseph's bones up out of Egypt? Yeah. They did, yeah. So it's interesting, Yo, Yosef, Joseph is a, uh, is a picture of who? We've been talking, Yeshua, Messiah, right? The suffering servant Messiah. So it's interesting that at the time of the Exodus, the empty tomb of Joseph, it's, it signals redemption and liberation for the people of Israel. Another foreshadowing there. So this word, I want you to go back to verse uh, 19. And it, this is a key I want to zoom in on today. It says, but Yosef said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You meant, you, in this word up here in Hebrew is chashav. And uh, I had Karen, I, I told her, I, 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 want you to, I want you to draw some threads through this word. Het, sheen, Bait, chashav, right to left. Because this word chashav, it means to weave together. It's if I'm going to make something like a rug or a tali, a prayer shawl or something, I'm going to weave different pieces of fabric together. All right. And I don't know what the end product may look like. The, the, you know, I may have it in like I know my, um, my mother-in-law, Joan, she does crocheting, right? Is that what it's called? Crocheting. And she will take all these different pieces of yarn and she knows what the end product looks like, but I don't know as I'm looking at her crocheting, I know that she has this big vision, this grand vision of what this blanket or whatever she's making is going to be. She saw that, she saw the picture, she saw the pattern or whatever, and she's making that and she's putting little designs in it. And I have no idea how to do what she's doing, but I know that that is chashav, that's weaving together something, okay? You got the idea, you got the picture. Now, I wanna go through a list of Joseph's life and I want to ask you guys this question. Just spit it out to me. What are some bad things? Let's try to go in chronological order. What are some bad things that happened to Joseph in his lifetime? Yeah, he got betrayed by his brothers, right? And then what? Thrown in a pit, yeah. Then what? He was sold. My goodness sold into as a slave. Has anybody here within the sound of my voice experienced any or all of these three? <laughs> it's crazy, right? Let's keep going. What else? Yeah, he was falsely accused. Is that, did I spell that right? 
falsely accused. What else? Yeah, he was imprisoned wrongfully. Yeah, what? Forgotten about. Yeah, remember, he was forgotten about. He told the, the cupbearer and the baker in prison, hey, I'm going to interpret these dreams for you. When you get elevated again, don't forget about me. And then what happened? He was forgotten. Man. Anything else? Yeah, yeah. Sexually assaulted. Man. Anything else? There's some bad things that happened to Joseph. Yeah. Mother dies prematurely, and then yeah, he's he has he has a lasting family separation against his will. I mean, he he becomes he's human trafficked, isn't he? Good, that's a good list. Anybody think of anything else? I think that's pretty pretty comprehensive. Well, his brothers hated him. Yeah, his brothers hated him. I mean, that alone is like... Yeah. That alone is enough to, to cripple a human being, to have that deep family rivalry and, the, and the, the fighting within sibling groups. Man, that is a lot. That's a lot to deal with emotionally, isn't it? But then, look at all these things. Betrayed, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused, imprisoned wrongfully, forgotten, sexually assaulted, his mother died prematurely, he had lasting family separation, and for the most of his life, at least before the reconciliation, was hated by his own brothers. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah, nobody wanted to believe anything. Exactly, exactly. Oh, thank you. Not recognized by, yeah. But look at this list though. Now, when you look at this list and you put it this way and you read through all these terrible things and then you read Genesis chapter 50 and he says, guys, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. He wove those things together for your good. Not only for your good, but for the good of the world. Think of the, the eternal perspective this man has how mature is his faith that he can put it that way and believe those things now if if any of these one things did not happen in joseph's life if you take away one of these things or two or three of these things you still got a pretty bad life don't you but would the redemption and the salvation have happened the way it would have happened the answer is no would there be an Israel today through which the Messiah had to come if the, not all these bad things happened? No. And Joseph sees that and he recognizes that. Knowing the promises given all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. That a Messiah is coming, a Savior is coming and he will crush sin and death and he will be victorious and he will come through my people joseph gets to egypt and he experiences all these hardships but what does he do does he curse god does he question he says no guys god saved us and i had to go through all of this suffering 
to bring that into reality so that we all could have a savior today in 2023. Amazing, right? Now, sometimes we look at our lives and we go through bad stuff, don't we? But no one within the sound of my voice has ever experienced all this. Or a fraction of it. Maybe some of this. Do we have a similar reaction? Now, it's easy for Gabe Rutledge standing up here to say that and ask that. But guys, I don't have that kind of reaction that Joseph has when I go through bad stuff. I throw a little temper tantrum. But my prayer is that when I do go through that stuff, when I do experience things that I feel are injustices that are dealt to me, my prayer is that I will say to God, this is awful, but I know you have a plan in this. I know that there is a bigger picture you are weaving together, right? But then the converse is true. Sometimes I try to enact my own will on situations. I want to take you to a couple quick verses. If you have your Bible, get ready. I want you to go. Let me find my place again here. I wrote some down. Go to Genesis 6-5. I want to show you where the same word, chashav, is used in Genesis 6-5. Genesis 6-5. It says, this is right before the flood, it says, Adonai saw that the people of the earth were very, very wicked. And that all the machshavot, that word chashav right there, all of their, cons- their conspiring, all of their schemings, all of their imaginations. This is actually the, the modern Hebrew word for computers. All of their imaginings of their hearts were always on evil. Wow. You see, when I start scheming, when Gabe Rutledge starts calculating, when Gabe Rutledge starts weaving things together in my own will, bad things kind of come out of that. When I'm not surrendered to the will of God. This word, chashav, is used three times in the book of Esther. And it's talking about when Haman, when Haman, there it is, is conspiring to eradicate the Jewish people. It's talking about he's weaving together. He's scheming up a plan. Okay, go with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah 17, verse nine, Jeremiah 17, nine. This is a good verse to use. Um, People sometimes well-intentioned, even Christians or believers, they'll say, Oh, you know, everybody has goodness in their heart. Everybody, uh, you know, they, they will, they'll find the truth or whatever. Everybody has their own truth. And take them to Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart of man is deceitful above all things. And it is beyond a cure. Yikes. Who can understand it? Our hearts, ladies and gentlemen, don't have a cure except for the blood of our Savior, right? And the transformation that the Holy Spirit produces in us. That's the cure. But we can't cure ourselves. But you see there, the heart is deceitful. We, we have this problem. And when we start scheming, we produce bad things. Bad things are, are the output of our hearts and our imagination and our weaving together things. 
And then the opposite is true. Go with me to Psalm 3311. Psalm 3311. Psalm 3311 says, the chashavot, the, the schemes, the calculations, the plans, my translation or counsel, your translation might say, of the Lord does what? It stands forever. But the heart, but his heart's plans are for all generations. You see the contrast? That our plans, our chashavot, our weavings are nothing but a mess. But his plans stand forever. His counsel is pure, right? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. When you get there, just read it with a nice, loud, booming voice for me. So there you have it. If you ingest the word of God, if you spend time studying the word of God, it will discern, it will expose, it will convict where you are scheming and not allowing, allowing God's schemes to triumph over yours. But you got to be in the word to do that, don't you? Go with me to Proverbs 16.9. Proverbs 16.9. Proverbs 16.9. It says, a person may plan his path, but the Lord will direct his steps. So we're kind of like a hamster in a ball, aren't we? Yeah, I do too. They're pretty cute. And then lastly, let's go to Romans chapter 8, verses 28. And you all probably know this by heart. Romans 8, 28. If you don't, you should memorize it. Romans 8, 28. Paul is writing a letter to the, the believers in Rome. He says, we know that God causes the good stuff to work together. You guys paying attention? Paul says that we know that God causes everything even the bad, right? Even the stuff that doesn't go our way. Everything to work together for the good of those who what? Love God and are called in accordance with his purpose. So there you have it. Paul is agreeing with Joseph that you guys scheme evil, but God in his glory and in his sovereignty worked it together for his plan. There's a quote from uh, the play Hamlet. This is probably the first and the last time I will quote anything related to Hamlet. And it's a very good quote. It says, there is a divinity that shapes our end as rough hewn as they are. Meaning we like to do things our way, don't we? We're thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get this job or I'm gonna take this promotion. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to move here or move there. But it's like, 
God is like, that's not in my perfect will, but I will still get my way at the end. And that's the case with all these things that happened to Joseph and all the things that are happening to you right now and to me. Bad things happen to human beings. Our very existence, it's funny how we try to avoid suffering, don't we? We, we fight and we struggle all of our lives to be comfortable, to not have to work, and to not suffer. But life is, it, it encapsulate the human existence is to work and to suffer. The question is, do you allow God to receive glory for the things through which we have to suffer? Do we allow Him to chashav something for His glory? And that's a hard, and that's kind of the essence of the book of Genesis, is that man messes up, God triumphs and redeems, and then he gets the glory for it. And it's a beautiful God we serve, isn't it? A loving God we serve. Gabe Rutledge has a lot of mess-ups, and I will have a lot more to come. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you will as well. Allow God to use, him, use them for his glory. And the hardships and the trials you experience... Ask God, where's your glory in this? And receive it. What's fascinating is someone wrote me an email. One of the responses I got was that Abraham never in his life saw the, the, the fulfillment of all the promises that God gave him. Never saw any of them. Yet he was still faithful, even to the point of being willing to offer his son up on an altar. And I would like to sit here, stand here and tell you this morning that all the hardships that you go through, you will at the end of your life say, oh, that's why I went through that. That's why that happened to happen to me. That's why this and that. But guys, I can't promise that. I can't promise you that you will be able to look back at, in your old age and say, now I know why I suffered those things that I had to suffer. But I can promise you that at some point on this side of the kingdom, God will use and weave those things together for His glory. So be encouraged when you go through suffering. Know that they are being, there are threads in this beautiful tapestry of God's redeeming story for humanity. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll take time of Q&A. Father, I thank you so much for this beautiful day you have blessed us with. May today just be a continue uh, uh, of a worship service as we continue to break bread together, and as we fellowship together, may it bring you glory and honor. May you encourage us when we are suffering and may you help us just see a small piece of the beautiful tapestry that you're weaving together in our lives when we do experience hardship and suffering. May you take our bad decisions and redeem them for your glory. And I pray this in Yeshua's matchless name. Amen. Do you guys have any questions or, or feedback about the book of Genesis that you want to share with everybody? Everybody's quiet. Yeah, Jason? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah, so if you went in that tomb right now, I guess you would find a mummy or two, actually. Yeah, weird, right? Yeah. Yeah, Marvin. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's true. But um, you got to remember, Judaism wasn't really codified back then with all its various laws and regulations. And cremation would be discouraged as well in Judaism today. But um, that wasn't the case back then. It wasn't, there was no, to say that they were practicing Judaism would not be an accurate statement. But yeah.
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He said, for those who couldn't hear, he said, um, if you, he's like, one thing I learned, and, and, and maybe there's some uh, learning the hard way there, it is for me anyways. One thing I learned is you don't do it God's way the first time, you're going to have to go back and do it again or something, right? All right, anybody else have any questions or comments? Yeah, we got, yeah Brian? Right, so we're, the, the brothers were fearful and they came trembling to Joseph uh, after Jacob had died. And it says that he spoke kindly to them. And that's another shadow of Messiah because it's his, his word says it's yeah. his kindness that leads us to repentance. Yeah, yeah. For those who couldn't hear, he said, when the brothers came to Joseph fearful, and it says that Joseph spoke kindly to them. That's another picture of Messiah when his brothers come to him repentant that he will speak kindly to them and he will, he will show them grace and favor despite all the bad stuff that has happened to Yeshua. And I was in uh, Israel last month. There was a couple Christians standing outside the Jaffa Gate and they were preaching on a loudspeaker, which I don't really encourage you to do in, in Jerusalem in the old, near the old city at all. Um, you're not going to get a good reaction. But there was a, a Hasidic boy about 11 years old, 10, 11 years old, and he was standing there alone, and he was kind of off about 50 feet away from them, listening. And he hawked the biggest loogie and spit it in their general direction and then walked off. But Yeshua will speak kindly to him. Yeshua will show him grace. And he will embrace him and love him, right? Anybody else have a comment or insight? Yeah, Mike? Hollow bread. Hollow bread is made out of broken pieces, right? Yeah, yep. But in their weave into the hollow bread... That's what uh, yep. Yahweh did here. Yeah. He took these broken pieces and, and wove them. Into yeah. So for those who couldn't hear, Mike said, just like challah bread, challah, it means pieces. I mentioned that the other day, how chole, it means sick. Challah is a piece of something. It's unwhole, which is the essence of being sick. You're unwhole. And challah bread, that woven bread that we have on Shabbat, uh, it is made from these various pieces woven together. It's braided together. And Mike was saying, just like the story, you know, that, that he took all these pieces of Joseph and he wove this beautiful uh, piece of bread together, so to speak, that provided nutrition and nourishment for his people. So, yeah. Yeah, Kirk? It's, it's the same thing um, going on with what Mike said. If you look at somebody that's going through a lot of trauma responses, especially veterans that have uh, been in theater and stuff, um, each each thing that you go through like that really brings you to a place of dying to the flesh mm. because you can't you can't walk through some of that stuff and not and yeah. think you're gonna true desperation and brokenness. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. So it does change. It changes you, but you know when I when I talk to people about trauma, even kids, yeah, talking about trauma, I hate to say it, but there's a there's an outcome that will come out of that that will be miraculous. Yeah, yeah. But they got to move. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff, you know? So Kirk, and if you haven't met Kirk, guys, uh, meet him. He's a blessing. Uh, get to know him. But Kirk was saying that uh, you know speaking with people that have trauma, deep trauma in their life. Um, there's always a, kind of a common denominator, and correct me if I'm misquoting here, the common denominator is that there is kind of a deep desperation and a brokenness in their life um, through which is a really good ground for miracles to grow out of. So yeah, I um, hope I got you, quoted you correctly and paraphrased you. Let's take one more comment or question and then we'll, uh, and guys, something to think about. Right now, 
you are living in a prayer that you prayed in the past. Right now, you're living in an answered prayer and you probably haven't given God glory for that answered prayer. It's important that you stop and reflect and think about what prayer am I living in that I prayed a long time ago, right? For me, I prayed for a wife that, that is loving and that would serve the Lord and that would be my best friend. And I take it for granted that I'm almost 17 years in now married to that answered prayer for me. And there's many, many other prayers that I've prayed in my past that I just completely forgot about. But yet I'm walking and living in them. So it's important to stop, reflect, and give gratitude where those prayers are answered. Anybody else? Let's take one more comment or question. Oh, we don't have any more. <laughs> Nobody wants to be the last one. Yes, what's yours? You forgot? What was it? All right, there it is. He summed up the whole... Joseph had a hard life. Good job, Charlie. Yeah. So before we close out with uh, Kiddush and the Ironic Benediction, let me tell you guys a little bit about the calendar here. 